Hello, I'm Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to my 70s TV childhood. Most of you know what we're about, but for anyone who may be listening for the first time, this podcast is a celebration of what it was like to grow up as a child in 1970s Britain. And, in particular, remember the central part that television played in our lives back then. The 1970s was a different world, even a different universe to the 2020s. Our economy was on its knees for most of the decade. We had strikes, power cuts, and the three-day week. But that didn't really matter to us kids, as long as we didn't miss Scooby-Doo or Wacky Races. It was, for most of us, a happy time of innocence, of play, and of growing up. And for many of us, TV was a big part of that. Now, thanks for all your comments and suggestions. This week, I've got what 70s presenters used to call a bulging postbag, although, as we're completely digital, it's, it's really a virtual postbag. And um, don't forget, you can get in touch via our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com, tweet at 70stvchildhood, or email me, oliver, at my70stvchildhood.com. Let's start with a comment following our last episode on game shows. Paul G got in touch via Twitter to point out that there was a particular reason why the sale of the century attracted an audience of 21 million in December 1978. And that was because both BBC One and BBC Two were off air due to strike action. So it was literally the only programme available to watch. It just goes to show what things were like then. Thanks for that, Paul. December 1978 was also in the middle of what became known as the Winter of Discontent, where it seemed like more people were actually on strike than working most of the time. So I hope that Nicholas Parsons and co managed to cheer everyone up a bit, as I think most of us probably needed something to take our minds off what was happening in the country at large. Now, I've also had lots of comments, probably more than I've had on any other subject, following our commercial break episode where I selected my own top 10 of best TV ads from the 1970s. On the plus side, most comments, such as one from David in Leeds, were in broad agreement with my top choice of the Smash adverts. But many of you disagreed with some of my other choices and have suggested other adverts which you think should have been included. Well, in the next 15 to 20 minutes, I aim to put that right with a quick run-through of some of the other top 1970s TV commercials, as nominated by our listeners. I'll try and categorise the additional items as best I can, but do excuse me if I go off to tangents as I'm sometimes prone to do. For those who listened to our previous ad-based episode, you may remember my main observation was that Britain in the 70s was somewhere where, judging by the adverts, Our citizens spent lots of time getting drunk, smoking cigars, eating, and then buying lots of cleaning products to deal with the mess. I have to say 
that the suggestions I've received from listeners do nothing to dispel that impression, although they do add a number of personal grooming products to the list, which suggests we try to cover up our drunkenness in a a haze of perfumes, aftershaves and toothpaste, which again does sound very plausible with what I remember. Let's start with drink. I seem to have neglected beer adverts, which lots of you remember. What is interesting is that there are lots of regional variations in your memories, so that those of you who are in London and the South East remember TV adverts for Courage Best, for example, and Midlanders have fond memories of ads for Mitchell's and Butler's Mild. That probably explains why I have fond memories myself of the range of adverts produced by my hometown brewery, Green or Whitley. My favourite was a parody of the Paul Newman film, Cool Hand Luke, featuring a group of prisoners breaking rocks in a chain gang in a southern state of the US. They're there under the hot sun, under the gaze of a a guard with uh, the, the mirror specs as in the film, and one of them stops hammering, drops his sledgehammer, and starts to sing. Great stuff, and happy memories for those listening from the Northwest. Unfortunately, as I grew up into a teenager, I discovered that a downside of living in Warrington, where there was a Greenalls pub literally within every hundred yards of wherever you were in the town, was that Greenalls beer was generally pretty ropey. But never mind. Lots of the other beer adverts seem to revolve around beer giving men magical powers to successfully chat at women a theme that's been explored in art since the earliest days of civilization, and one which continues to be practiced by some today. The most notable of these, suggested by our listener Brian, was one of a series made for Harp Lager, which some of you will remember as Guinness's attempts to get into the fizzy keg lager trade of the 1960s, 70s and 80s. The advert shows a group of mates on a night out, and one of them, a sort of chirpy, cockney character-like, has a bit of an adventure whilst drinking harp. Oh, it probably makes more sense if you listen. I'll also put this on our blog later. I turned up the local on a Saturday night. I met a girl from Birmingham and she was all right. She was very intellectual. The way she had her crisps had a feminine touch. But the gorilla that she had in tow was just a bit much. Stay sharp to the bottom of the glass. I said I was her brother, so we stayed and had another. The cool, fresh flavour didn't waver by a quaver. I said it was a pee, but we had to hurry home, because her 80 year old brother was all on her own. So she kissed him very nicely and said she'd phone. Stay sharp to the bottom of the glass. Stay sharp. Other drinks ads you suggested include Heineken's Refreshes the Parts Other Beers Cannot Reach series and Carlsberg's Probably the Best Lager in the World strapline. Oh, and there was also one for the ladies. It's very odd. 
Lord, I don't even know your name. But after this one Campari and soda, I feel I almost know you. May I freshen your glass? Uh, soda, of course. Well, lemonade. Campari and lemonade. Yes, nice colour, isn't it? Campari, with soda, with lemonade, with tonic. But always with pleasure. Were you truly wafted here from paradise? No, look near, Paul. The Campari adverts made Lorraine Chase a household name, with appearances on game shows like Celebrity Squares, as mentioned in our last episode. And these adverts even inspired a hit pop tune entitled Luton Airport by a group called Cats UK, which got to number 22 in the charts in the UK in 1979. So, back to the adverts. We've had a few drinks. Must be time for a cigar. Tony got in touch to ask whether I remembered Frankie Howard's adverts for Grandy Cigars, which I have to confess I didn't. I don't actually even recognise the brand name, but apparently Frankie did a whole series of ads over a number of years for the brand. Personally, I'm not sure whether Frankie Howard could ever convince me to smoke a cigar, but I'm sure they were onto something. The big ones I do remember, and apologise for neglecting in our programme, was Hamlet. The series of adverts began in the mid-60s and ran for around 30 years until tobacco advertising was banned on television, with the same central premise. A man, and, and yes, it was always a man, got into a situation which went wrong, and as a consolation and to make him feel better, he lit up a Hamlet cigar to the tune of J.S. Bach's Air on the G-String. Happiness is a cigar called Hamlet, the mild cigar. After all that drinking and smoking, a bit of personal care is needed, and you've had plenty of ideas on that. A number of you remember the Colgate Ring of Confidence. So fresh, it really works. But Sarah has alerted me to an advert for ultra-bright white toothpaste, which I don't remember, and I don't think this stands the test of time too well either. Cindy. For three weeks, Cindy had flown with Captain Jim Sinclair, but Jim thought Cindy was strictly coffee, tea, or milk. Then Cindy discovered Ultra Bright. Ultra Bright White, Dynamite White, Dynamite Fresh. It got her noticed. That night, Cindy and Jim took off together. Her feet haven't touched the ground since. Fly new Ultra Bright for a smile so white it gets you noticed. So, girls. If you study hard, get qualifications and a good job, it makes little difference. You need to use a good toothpaste to bag an airline captain for a husband, and that's a measure of success for you. Thank goodness times have changed. This is certainly one of those ads, which may actually be better off forgotten by most of us. So you've got clean teeth. What next? Well, if you're a man, you really need to smell like one. It's become a bit of a cliche and a joke now, but Brute 33 really was the best-selling aftershave in Britain during the 1970s, vying with Old Spice for top spot. The Brute adverts featured good, manly British role models. Firstly, boxer Henry Cooper, and later in the 1970s, he was joined by motorcyclist and heartthrob Barry Sheen, who implored us to enjoy the great smell of Brute, whilst our Henry encouraged us to splash it all over. 
Whether you use Brute or preferred the surfing-themed ads for Old Spice, one thing could be guaranteed for sure. The men of Britain would wake up on Christmas mornings in the 1970s to find one or other of them in their Christmas stockings, as I started to do when I got into my teens in the 1980s. If you're a woman, you did have a bit more choice in fragrance with ads for Yardley and Anis Anis, I think that's how you pronounce it, and Nina Ricci's L'Air du Temps. But if you're really daring, you could wear Impulse, which, if the adverts were to be believed, caused men to buy you flowers and harass you in the street. The tagline was, when a man you've never met suddenly buys you flowers, he's acting on impulse. Even then, it all seemed a bit creepy to me as a child, and a friend of mine's mum suggested the line should be changed to, when a man you've never met suddenly buys you flowers, you should kick him in the shins and call the police. The whole tone of some of these adverts was, at the very least, inappropriate. The famous Harmony hairspray ads, with passers-by asking, is she or isn't she, talking about whether she's wearing hairspray or not, now seems deeply worrying. Sorry, that was getting a bit serious again, but we shouldn't forget how far we've come in the way that adverts portray women. Where were we? Oh yes, having splashed out on the brute or rolled spice, it's time for something to eat. It's amazing how many foodstuffs were advertised as somehow slightly exotic in the 1970s. We have bachelors advertising tandoori fried rice with a suggestion it was all sourced from markets in India and Vesta instant curries being sold to us as examples of foreign sophisticated food that we can enjoy at home. Added to that were the exotic chocolate bars, such as Fry's Turkish Delight. Fry's Turkish Delight is a rich red secret. A rare eastern essence slowly mingles with smooth milk chocolate to give you a long, luxurious taste of the east. Turkish delight, full of Eastern promise. And bounty bars, which were the taste of paradise. Always accompanied by glamorous men and women lounging on tropical beaches. From what I remember, it was a sickly chocolate bar filled with coconut. But the image was very successful. And it represented a moment's dreaming of something more exotic than, say, a wet Wednesday in Warrington. We then also had Wars Cornetto sold to us as the epitome of classy ice cream by none other than a singing Venetian gondolier. Just one Cornetto, give it to me, a delicious ice cream of Italy, the nut and chocolate dream. Give me Cornetto from Wars Ice Cream. Or at least I think that's how it went. It was foreign, sophisticated, and a little bit more expensive than your regular ice cream or chalk ice. And the advertising positioned it with just the right touch. Brilliantly done. 
There are lots of other great food-related TV adverts from the 70s, and unfortunately I can't go through them all. In yet another highly effective but sexist jingle, a million housewives every day open a can of beans and say, beans, means, Heinz, and I'm sure some of you were joining into that, that must be one of the most successful series of adverts of all time. And once you've had your baked beans, then mummy can do the washing up using the softest, longest lasting washing up liquid known to civilization and highly favoured by the lovely Nanette Newman. There you have got with hands, mummy. Now hands that do dishes can feel soft as your face with mild green liquid. And with all this drinking, smoking, eating and cooking going on, Probably your house smells a bit strange by then. But what better than a bit of shake and vac to make your house feel great again and smell great again? Now, I think technically shake and vac didn't come around till about 1980. But the advert is so good and inspires so many memories. And as I'm aware, ruined the acting career of the lady who was in it, that it's worth playing again. Stale smells up here often come from down there in your carpet. Smells from your dog. And tobacco, too. Well, shake and back from Gladys here. It's all you have to do. Do the shake and back and put the freshness back. Do the shake and back and put the freshness back. When your carpet smells fresh, you're under too. Every time you vacuum, remember what to do. Do the shake and back and put the freshness back. Shake and back in three fragrances. Well, I think that's probably enough adverts for now. If there are more that I've missed and you'd like to see mentioned in a future episode, let me know on our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com. Tweet me at 70stvchildhood or you can email oliver at my70stvchildhood.com. I'll leave you with one final ad to end with, which is an old favourite of mine and also my great friend Anthony. It was an advert for Dunn & Company a long-defunct chain of menswear shops, which were on high streets across the country in the 1970s. In the advert, the local lower league football team had made it through to the third round of the FA Cup, and the manager, played by Bill Dean, later to be Harry Cross in Brookside, takes the team to Dun & Company to try on potential suits for a Wembley Cup final. The lads try on various suits, including a rather lovely flared safari suit, Dreaming of the final until reality bites. Would you believe it? This coffee bunch has reached the third round of the FA Cup. I know. Whole town's talking about it. Smarten them up a bit. I want to be real proud when we walk out to inspect the pitch at Wembley. Well, I know you can fit the whole team off the peg, and I won't have to flog me striker to pay the bill. That's him in the safari suit. Mustard, isn't he? Shall I make the check out to... Uh... Dunn and Company? Yes, sir. Hey, boss, boss, we've drawn Arsenal away. Never mind, sir. Better luck next year. Pull him back. Thanks for listening. And join us again soon for more from My 70s TV Childhood.